A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you know what I love? Real fans going to real wrestling events. Also, this week, AEW had shifted the way they were shooting Dynamite and they'd mucked around with Daly's place. So this was like we're in a brand new location and never underestimate the power of that. Because what's the first thing you use when you tune into anything? Your eyes. And if you give your eyes new things, they reward you with joy. I don't make the rules. I just pass it along to you. Also, though, welcome to the second episode of Ups and Downs today. Unless you didn't watch the SmackDown one and then it's the first episode. Whatever. Who even cares? I just appreciate you being here. But we have had the go-home show for double or nothing. But was it any good or did it absolutely suck? Let's take the figure of power and up those downs for the latest edition of AEW Dynamite. Flub me the opening to Dynamite. Darby Allen's music hit and out he came to the ring alongside Sting and thousands of people just went, yeah, Darby Allen, Sting, we love you so much. And it just made me feel good because that energy, it comes out of the screen and it whacks you right in the face and then you just want to bathe in it like a Roman emperor. I've watched a lot of wrestling today. He was taking on Cesar Bononi, who was already in the squared circle, and I assumed he felt like he needed some backup because he had JD Drake, he had Ryan Nemeth, he had Peter Avalon, so I'm now going to dub them Benone's boys with a Z. Given their size difference, Alan was just thrown around the place to begin with. And because he is Darby Allen, at one point he always has to do something crazy. So Cesar grabbed him and just threw him right on his head on the rampway. Now look, you don't need me to tell you this. That hurts. All he did was wind Darby Allen up though, because he got back into this. He hit an over-the-top stunner. Then he hit the coffin drop and he got the one, two, three. But I did appreciate that we gave Cesar a little bit of something-something. Because he's kind of bubbling under the surface at the moment, like soup. Once again, I don't know. Really though, this match was just here to set up a big angle, which we then did do. Because Darby and Sting got on the microphone and said, Hey, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, why don't you get out here right now so we can have a fight? And I like to think Tony Khan was melting down backstage like, No, don't do it now. I need people to buy the thing on Sunday. Of course, they came out here just to tell us that they wanted nothing to do with this and they will wait till the weekend. But this was all a ruse because Benone's boys then jumped in there and they were beating up Sting and Darby Allen. It allowed Scorpio and Page or Sap to run down there as they tried to choke out Darby Allen and break Sting's leg. But of course, 
The Watchers have watches of their own. That's the Dark Order. And they were out as well to balance everything out. This whole segment was clearly designed just so fans would cheer. And cheer they did. And that's why it was entertaining. And that's why it's getting it up. As a quick aside too, just as Cesar Bononi has come up, his wife is having some medical troubles right now. If you go and find him on Twitter, he has a GoFundMe page. If you are able to donate, I'm sure he would appreciate it. So everything we saw was designed to bring you joy. And the same can be said for what came next. Because I love nonsenses like press conference and weigh-ins in my wrestling because you're kind of treading that middle ground between sports entertainment and actual sports. And also, given that Anthony Agogo used to be a professional boxer and he went to the Olympics, it makes perfect sense that you would have Cody and you'd have Agogo weighing in. So they weighed in. Obviously, there was a lot of flag waving to tie into the story. It was also hosted by Paul White, who was there to say, I'm not going to let any nonsense go down. And I was like, yeah, right, Paul White. Like, that's not going to happen. But actually, he is so gigantic, we didn't get that much nonsense. Agogo and Cody both then came out with their respective crews, and you can't say that everything they've done hadn't worked. Because as soon as Cody had weighed in about 218 pounds, all of a sudden everyone was charting USA, and they're like, oh, Cody, you're the greatest thing ever. And if a crowd makes that kind of a noise, you have done something correct. Agogo was next up, obviously, because imagine it had been something else, and he was wearing Union Jack pants, because this guy's just bought a hook, line, and sinker, and he weighed in at 219 pounds. That's one pound more. QT Marshall then jumped on the microphone and said, oh, this extra weight means that Anthony Agogo is going to win at double or nothing. And that was so stupid, I laughed out loud. And then they were doing a flex off, and of course, when Agogo flexed, everybody booed. When Cody flexed, everybody cheered. This was as old school as they come, but it doesn't mean sometimes you can't go back to the past. I'm also just looking forward to their fight. I think AEW has something extra special planned here. Cody always has good matches. Anthony Agogo has something to prove, which means he will smash it. It's getting it up. Had this cool video with the Inner Circle afterwards. They told us to expect the unexpected at Double or Nothing. So now I assume aliens are going to be involved. And then we cut out from that and Powerhouse Hobbs was trying to kill Christian Cage. I mean, Christian was meant to be wrestling later, I think, but that did not happen because he got hit by some kind of weapon crowbar thingamajig. And then he tackled Powerhouse Hobbs into a bunch of boxes. And do not ever underrate the power of a box. I mean, it's basically what Solid Snake based his entire career around. Because this was the go-home show, of course, every match needed to continue to remind you that we do have a pay-per-view on Sunday night. Which is why next up we had Hangman Adam Page versus Joey Janela. And admittedly, that was a tiny bit out of nowhere. But these two, they got really good chemistry. They were each other's equals to start until they brought on the outside to the ring. Because Joey Janela went for a crossbody, but Hangman caught him and gave him a fallaway slam. But Janela had to come back to that because when they were back in the ring, he grabbed his head and he smashed it right into the turnbuckle. There was a great transition when Hangman went for the dead eye, but Janela reversed it into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. But then the cowboy had an answer to that and he booted Joey Janela right in the head. I mean, honestly, if he'd been wearing Nike shoes, the camera would have zoomed in on Joey and he would have a tick on his face. Janela fought back with an elbow drop from the top rope and throughout all of this, somehow Hangman Adam Page had been busted open. I mean, a lot of blood was running from his skull. And even though Joey went for the DVD, it didn't work. He got powerbombed instead. Page hit him with the buckshot lariat. And of course that was going to happen. He is in a match with Brian Cage on Sunday, and he got the victory. Much like the first match, though, there was a lot of post-match action on this episode of Dynamite, and almost instantly Taz was here, he'd been on commentary, and he was all like, hey, let me introduce to you, Brian Cage. He also tried to promote the benefits of the colour orange, but Hangman didn't want to hear any of this, and he was like, Brian, let me talk to you man to man. I expect it from all these other goofs, 
but let me turn into your mother right now and tell you I am so disappointed that you think you need help to try and beat me. He supposes that Brian Cage's balls must have shrunk, and if that is true, Brian, you should go and see a doctor. And Cage, did he take the bait? Because he got so annoyed. He was like, you don't think I can be a one-on-one? Well, I'll tell you what, I double or nothing, I'll take you in one-on-one. So I think he just talked himself out of inviting Team Taz to ringside. That ain't gonna help you. What was really nice about this was that for once, Adam was on the front foot here. He didn't let Team Taz beat him up, and he got one over the bad guy. And of course, he will beat Brian on Sunday and slowly make his way back up the rankings before, at some point, becoming AEW champion. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston followed this. These two. While they had been stealing shoes recently, they understood that now was the time to get serious. So nobody should forget that they're a really good team because they have this great relationship and that they died for each other. John Moxley then called the Young Bucks, Rod and Todd Flanders, and that was it. I was the happiest man on the planet. They get that the Bucks may be a better well-oiled machine, but they're a couple of pit bulls, which means at double or nothing, they will become the champions. And then Kingston said when they are done, maybe they'll become the EVPs of the company. And without missing a beat, John Moxley was just like, nah, I want to do it. I like to come and go. I really hope this happens because these two guys entertain me. It was a really good promo though. It got you excited for that fight, especially because we didn't see the Young Bucks throughout the rest of the evening. Up. It was then time to find out what Orange Cassidy was going to do about his potential main event match. And imagine he had come out here and gone, actually I've thought about it. I can't really be bothered. You two fight, I'm done. He was meant to be doing an interview with Tony Schiavone, but before we got there, Pat came out instead, told Tony to buzz off. And my word was the bastard mad. Because he is sick and tired of everybody talking about a piece of fruit when they should be talking about him, the future AEW world champion. He said Omega was pathetic and he said it was so much disdain. For a few seconds, I actually believed he just hate Kenny Omega. When, of course, all of a sudden on the big screen, there was Don Callis, who actually looked terrified of Pac as he should be. This was all one big trick because Callis wanted to get Pac's attention because Kenny Omega was sneaking up behind him. But Pac isn't an idiot and he had discounted... Or at least that was the case until the Gallows and Anderson hit the ring. You can't beat the numbers game. That's wrestling maths. The rest of the Death Triangle ran down to chase away the Good Brothers, which allowed Kenny Omega to try and hit the One Wing Angel on Tupac, when all of a sudden Orange Cassidy's music hit. And honestly, the fans in the building this night, they just love this guy, because everybody does. This whole segment was also as frantic as it sounds, and I think it was deliberately designed that way. And he gave a note to Kenny Omega, which Kenny opened, and the contract he had given to Orange last week spooled out of it, but it had been chopped up into tiny little pieces. Omega was so shocked by this, he allowed himself to get hit with the Orange punch, and just as Orange went to pick up the AEW world title, Pac stood on it, and he was going to give him another powerbomb, which obviously took him out a couple of weeks ago, but Orange Cassidy reversed that. He hit another Orange punch, and once more, every single person in Daly's place was just screaming his name. And even without the audience, this would have been fine. But with it, this was just absolutely brilliant. And it just felt so exciting. I'm going to assume we did do it this way because Orange Cassidy is not going to become the champion on Sunday. But you never say never, but you do say up. We then went one step further with all this Jade Cargill stuff. And I didn't see this coming. She was being interviewed, as has been the way recently, when Matt Hardy rocked up and he was all like, hey, I'm going to win the Casino Battle Royal on Sunday. Big things are coming my way. Maybe you want to be a part of House Hardy. But before he could get into his spiel, Mark Sterling turned up again and said, you better shut up, pal. I now represent Jade. And she was smiling and nodding. So I guess it's true. Now, I have no idea how that all got sorted out, but I guess we're going to find out eventually. 
But I am slightly confused. But you know, I'll sit back and wait. I'm a patient kind of a guy. Cargill did have a match right after this, and she was going on against Kylie King, which was actually quite a good move by AEW because, in terms of stature, they were quite similar. Even still, though, Jake Cargill just whipped her ass. Hit a massive clothesline, reversed a crossbody. They fought outside on a little bit, and then she hit that reverse wheelbarrow slam thing that they are calling jaded now. And again, it's another victory, and you just know that she is going to be involved in the AEW women's title picture soon. And if we do everything right, she going to be a massive star. So this was fine. Up. Had a quick chat with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts in the back after this, and they do not want Dante Martin to beat Miro in the next match because Lance Archer wants to destroy Miro instead at double or nothing. We then did get Miro versus Dante, and I tell you, Dante got a lot more than I was expecting. Now, don't get me wrong, Miro was still an animal here, but damn it, he let his arrogance get the better of him because he turned his back to Dante. And as we know, Dante is one of these flippy-dippy-doo-dars. He started to take to the skies, and that kind of offense will get you. I mean, if you can't catch somebody, you can't crush them. But everybody slows down, unless you're being chased by some kind of killer dog. So just as Dante was trying to climb the ropes, Miro did indeed do this. And it was the beginning of the end. He suplexed him back into the ring, smashed him with the Machka kick, and then locked in the game over. And nobody doesn't tap to that. Therefore, Dante tapped. The post-match shenanigans were then back, and there really was a lot on this episode of Dynamite, because out came Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. <laughs> Jake Roberts even went, you better shut the F up. So Mira retorted, no, you better shut up. It was a little bit like kids in the playground, but the biggest kids you've ever seen. AEW did allow them to take some lumps out of each other, which was a good way to advertise their pay-per-view match, because it's going to be a hoss fight. And Lance Archer got the better of this one. I'm going to guess that Miro retains his TNT Championship at double or nothing. It's fine. Sometimes I just want to see man meat kicking the crap out of man meat. And I'm going to get it in around about 24 hours time. We then celebrated the fact that Sheeta has been our women's champion for over a year. Hell yeah. This was just nice. Because she was presented with a brand new belt, which is a lot nicer than the old one. And then told the fans when I won this... There was none of you here, so the fact that you're here with me today means I'm going to dedicate this to all of you. I mean, how can you not like this woman? She just seems so pleasant. Of course, Britt Baker was always going to interrupt. You would have to have some kind of magic for that not to happen, as it is wrestling. And she kept it nice and simple. She understands, kind of, maybe, not really, that Sheeta has been a great champion. But it all ends on Sunday when she takes that title and redefines the division. She even went on to compare it to Austin 316 because she was all like, like 316, there's going to be a brand new era starting next week and it's going to be called DMD. Whoever knew that being a dentist could translate so well to wrestling. So Sheila is great at what she does. Britt Baker is really good and she absolutely should follow up on these words. It's just the right time. Clearly, AEW was also very keen to push the whole Sting and Darby Allen taking on Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky match. Because right after this, we got more promotion for it. It did make sense as well because it was the Dark Order taking on Sap. And obviously, the Dark Order had chased them away earlier. And I always forget how good Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are. So I'm going to start a petition today. Let's feature them more on Dynamite. They are such a good duo up. The only problem they had was they were fighting a couple of dudes who don't have any morals, so they were getting beat up for a while. Before Grayson did this crazy backflip kick thing onto both of them in order to get the hot tag to Evil Uno, who got in there and then hit one of the best Hurricane Ranas I have seen forever. And that was on Mike. Well, I didn't think he was going to do that move list. What a hero. They would have won this too if it wasn't for those meddling kids and if it wasn't for cheating. 
Because Scorpio Sky raked the eyes of Evil Uno. He then did this cool transition hill foot thing onto Grayson. That allowed Ethan Page to hit the ego edge onto the evil one. And like I say, they got the victory and I was a little bit mad. As intended. Have a guess what happened after two post-match shenanigans. I was about to abbreviate that. Then I just realized it stands for PMS. Damn it. It happened just as Paige and Sky were about to say something, but from the entrance tunnel, all of a sudden, all these dudes wearing sting masks started to walk towards the ring. This was tremendous though, because like that amazing moment years ago, even though Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky fought off loads of them, when they hit one, that person removed the mask and it was Sting. So it was Sting pretending to be Sting because underneath the Sting mask was Sting. And hey, I know we did it years ago, but do you know how much I like that spot so much this made me squeal with joy. They then beat up the bad guys to get some kind of revenge and remind you they do have a big match in a day or so. But I do need to mention one thing. Now I do want to make it clear that I thought this was fantastic. But yes, there were a lot of post-match things on this episode of Dynamite. And while they did all work, at this stage it was kind of apparent that you were seeing a lot of them. And given how we treat other shows and given how most people always say, Simon, you need to be more balanced. Well, I'm being balanced and it's getting it down. I wasn't entirely sure what was going to end this week's episode of Dynamite before I remembered, oh yeah, we're having the Inner Circle Celebration Ceremony, which did make sense because up to this point, we hadn't seen MJF at all. All of this was hosted by none other than Eric Bischoff, however, who compared the Inner Circle to the NWO. And by the time they all came out here, Chris Jericho and Eric Bischoff even thanked each other and shook hands. I don't think I've ever seen that. We also had quite the emotional video recapping everything the Inner Circle had done. And when we came out of that, all the fans were going wild. Santana or Ortiz were like, man, we don't want it to end. But if it does, we're going to go out fighting. And Jake Cargill was like, please, I don't want it to die. And Sammy Hagar was like, I hate you gritting you guys and my brothers. Before Chris Jericho got the mic and said, at first I wasn't sure, but now I love you. So we went for sentiment here instead of all outrage. And I thought that worked tremendously because now we have planted the seed that maybe the inner circle are gonna break up. I mean, that's how it was treated. Although deep down, I don't think it's gonna happen. I was then in tears as they followed all this up by flipping off the camera and I couldn't help but go, what a strange way to react after pouring your heart out. And at that stage, up on the big screen popped Maxwell Jacob Friedman. They were in the stadium for the Jacksonville Jaguars for obvious reasons. And while he is super duper excited for stadium stampede, he is more excited about what he's just done which was beat the flub out of Dean Malenko. He told these morons if they wanted to save him, they better get their asses to the field right now. So I suppose if the inner circle hadn't have done that, they would have killed him. But of course, this was a trap. The pinnacle jumped them and just absolutely ruined them with chairs. And also FTR grabbed Santana and Ortiz, put them in the pile driver position, and then dual pile drove them through a couple of tables. And let me tell you this, that looked like it sucked. The camera then panned to Maxwell who said when you're in the pinnacle you're always on top as we faded to black. This was a bit like watching a TV drama. But that was the point though. You get a cliffhanger and if you want to find out what's going to happen next you better put your money down on the table. Up. So this did the job. I think the stadium stampede this year is going to be far different from 2020 as it does need to do. And in terms of the overall presentation to get you hyped for double or nothing we only have to say one word. And that's overall is getting it up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 